breaking news celebrating Christmas at Hope Community Church, right now on The Loop. One of the most magical traditions of the Christmas season is watching and re-watching our favorite Christmas movies with the people we love. It's part of how we celebrate, how we laugh, how we cry, and how we remember some of the things that are most important during the holiday season. This time of year can tend to rush by in a whirlwind of planning, parties, and shopping. Here at Hope Community Church, we want to invite you to slow down and recenter as we take a look at what really matters at Christmas. So throw on your favorite sweater, bring some hot cocoa, and join us weekends in December for a family Christmas movie party. You'll be glad you did. Here at Hope, our mission is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. One of the best times of year for us to bring that mission to life is during the Christmas season. We've found that time after time, people will come to church for the first time if they're only invited. This year, we're making it easier than ever to extend an invitation to our Christmas Eve hometown Christmas services. Check it out. Christmas shows us where our hearts believe home is. More than the parties and the presents, more than the tree and the lights and the decorations. It's about celebrating the birth of a Savior. It's a story that brings us together and makes family out of strangers. No matter who you are or where you've been, we want to invite you to join us for a powerful experience featuring the music and the story of Christmas, as well as a candlelight celebration. Hometown Christmas at Hope Community Church. What an incredible way to celebrate Christmas Eve. As you make plans about who you want to invite, be sure to head over to hometownchristmas.net for the details about times and locations. From there, you can order your free tickets for the service you're planning to bring your friends and family to. We're expecting tens of thousands of people joining us this Christmas season. Getting your tickets early is a huge part of how we ensure that people have a positive experience. To find out more about Christmas at Hope, go to gethope.net or download the Get Hope app. No, everybody stand up. Everybody go ahead and stand up. And uh, turn around, find somebody you've never seen in your life. Look them straight in the eye and say, all I want for Christmas is.
Come on, someone lift up a shout of praise this morning. Lift up a clap. Is anyone grateful to be in his house today? Let's just sing about his goodness now.
It's love. It's love, so hindi na yapoy. I can hardly speak. Peace, so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as it cold. your attention on him today. God, we love you. God, I thank you that all that you went through on the cross and by the hands of man being tortured, dying a cruel, undeserved death, you would have done it for just one of the people in the room today. Just one of us. But you're so powerful. You're saving a generation for your glory. What do we not have to be thankful about today? And God, I thank you for the message we're about to hear. The songs we're going to continue to sing. May we be touched and cut to the core by the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ. But Lord, may we minister to you today and give you the glory that you're due to the name that's above every name, Jesus. We love you. You're amazing. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. Come on, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you can, you can grab your seat and turn your eyes to the screen. I was born in Chapel Hill, 
lived there until I was about seven or eight, then my family moved to Greensboro. My whole family does music. My brother plays drums, my sister plays clarinet. It's just uh, what we did, I always listened to music, playing music in the house. My dad would have people over for rehearsals. My dad actually was just telling me recently, as a baby, I was the quietest baby. I didn't make any noise and that sort of thing. So I think I've always been pretty reserved. It was very natural, I think, especially just doing music. My teacher would kind of kick me out of the practice rooms during lunchtime, tell me to go eat lunch or something, because I would always be in there. I didn't really have like a table of, of people that you regularly sit with or that sort of thing. I went to the University of North Carolina School of the Arts for college. I uh, graduated, went back to my mom like I did every summer, uh, stayed with her for a couple months. and. I was playing at a church in Greensboro. At the time I didn't have a job, I was just playing at the church. The pastor there grew up in ministry with Pastor Chris. The pastor came to me and, and told me that there was a pastor in Raleigh looking for uh, someone to play for them. I met Pastor Chris and Pastor Jacqueline, and, and they're great people, and they liked my playing. The things I wasn't sure about was if I would be able to really fulfill the position that they were asking me to, to fulfill. I didn't know if I could confidently be a, a leader for them, someone that wasn't gonna be up and down, or kind of in and out, committed one week and then, you know, just out to whatever the next week. I didn't know, of course, where I was gonna live, what I was gonna drive. I think when I really jumped head on into it was really that first rehearsal that I did. I remember sitting in the car, trying to wrap my head around what I was about to do and, and saying, am I ready for this? And my prayers were certainly pitiful. <laughs> certainly pitiful. Um, walking in and greeting everybody and, and once I get in, it just kind of just kept going and going, and I just went from one song to the next, to one task, to one warm-up. It was just really comfortable. I was just surprised at how naturally it, it fit. I never saw myself as someone teaching or, or leading or in front or instructing or kind of organizing all the different pieces and putting it together. I'm still nervous, honestly. Uh, every rehearsal I go into, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to kind of prep myself and say, okay, get out of yourself, you know, just go in and, and, and do what you know to do. But I was, I was continue to learn and to grow, not just about being a, a rehearsal leader or band leader or a worship leader, it's just to, to really walk by faith, knowing that, that God has is already prepared the way for us. Isn't that a great story? Ben Evans from our Ship of Zion campus. You know, we're going into the Thanksgiving holiday and we wanted to do something a little different this year because lots of times as you enter into this holiday, you think, you know, it's been a tough year. I don't have a whole lot to be thankful for. So over the next few minutes, instead of me just talking to you all weekend, we're going to, you're going to hear from five different individuals, five stories that reflect what we believe are characteristics that should be evident in all of our lives as Christians if we're actually growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, if we're becoming disciples. And we started off with Ben sharing a principle that we think is very important, the idea of living obediently. It all starts right here. And from hearing his story, what a great reminder is that God will use us. He'll use our lives if we'll just take what we have and if we will make it available to him. One of my favorite songs that we sing together is take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. God, take my life. I'm just going to set it aside for your use. Trey and Emily are going to. They're going to lead us, and I'm going, to lead, I'm going to let you stay seated as long as you sing. If you don't sing, I'll make you stand. But at any time, if you want to stand, you have the freedom to do so. Trey, lead us. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of love. Take my feet and let them be swift and my silver and my gold 
not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. I met Scott while I was out with my girlfriends dating. It was amazing because I finally knew how a man should treat a woman. We just, we had a lot of fun together. We were close, he was my best friend and I was his and we relied a lot on each other. Just enjoyed our marriage and life. It was the night before uh, 4th of July. That morning I woke up and I thought Scott was having some type of breathing attack and he jumped out of bed, ran into the bathroom and I was telling him he was okay and he fell to the ground. So I told him that I loved him and to hang on and I would be right back. And the ambulance came, we went to the hospital. The doctors came in a little while later and they told me that Scott had passed away. I remember telling them no, that they're lying, and I'm gonna go take them home. And as they started to walk me down the hall, I just collapsed because I just knew. I think one of the hardest things was probably about eight months after Scott had passed away, I started to put things together and my mom was there and I turned to her and I said, I'm pretty sure we should just put these in boxes um, because if he comes back, I don't want him to come back to not having his things here. And my mom had turned to me and said, Jessica, he's not coming back. He's in heaven with the Lord. I think the Lord kind of bopped me over the head like really hard and said, you gotta wake up. You, you've got to open your eyes right now. And I did. And it was actually being able to say, Lord, I understand that Scott is gone. I don't know the why to it, but I have to be okay with it because you're telling me that it's okay. It was only by God's strength that I was able to do that and by his grace and me listening. And that's where the switch happened. Mm -hmm. 
We came here to Hope in May. I loved Hope immediately. I just knew that this was where I needed to be. I've served with the Mobile Food Pantry. I was so humbled and blessed to be there. And I was using my experiences, using my grief, and these families were opening up to me, and these children were opening up to me. It was not only something that I was doing for them, but it was something I was, the Lord was giving me, and they were giving me. So it's not only serving them, you're being served as well. I feel I am the strongest I have ever been in my entire life, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. The Lord has really given me His grace and mercy, and I want to give back of myself in any way that I can.
I tell you, I'm grateful that not only can Trey write incredible songs, that uh, he's willing to share those songs with us. But what a great God of comfort. I guess if we're at church this weekend, we're probably familiar with the 23rd Psalm. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. But then there's this interesting phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I think every one of us here, we're way too familiar with that phrase about the valley of the shadow of death. And the reason we're so familiar with it is because eventually we, we all go through it. And maybe, maybe that's where you find yourself this Thanksgiving season. You find yourself passing through that shadow. But unlike in Jessica's story that we just watched, maybe it has nothing to do with the death of a spouse, the death of a parent, the death of a loved one, the death of a child. Maybe this was the year 2016 that you experienced the death of a dream. Or maybe it was the death of a relationship. Maybe the death of a career. Maybe the death of your marriage. I mean, when you exchange those vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to death us do part. See, you meant it, but you found out this past year that the person that you made those vows to, they didn't mean it. And so you've experienced the death of that relationship. So as you sit here today, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And we don't like it in the valley. It's dark. It's cold. It's a place we don't want to be. It's certainly a place we don't want to stay. There's heartache, there's sadness, there's emptiness, there's loneliness in the shadow of the valley of death. And when we're in that valley, when we're going through it, no matter how hard we try, we can't make sense of what God is doing. And that's maybe, maybe that describes where you are this weekend. I just want to encourage you that this Thanksgiving, we can all find comfort in the fact that God will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He never intended us for us to stay there. His plan was to lead us through because he has a plan. Regardless of the loss you've experienced, you still have a future. I'm reminded of the words, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So you know what, that's God's promise. His promise is regardless of what you're going through this Thanksgiving, you're gonna merge out the other side. You have a future. And sometimes, as we saw in Jessica's story, the only way that God can really lead us from where we are into the future is for us to, at some point, decide that we're going to intentionally take the focus off of our hurt, off of our loss, off of our past, and we're going to put it on others, and we're going to begin to focus on his plan for our future. What a powerful reminder this Thanksgiving season that even with great loss in our life, that we can continue to have hearts of gratitude. I want you to listen to Natalie's story. She's going to talk to us about the importance of connecting intentionally in relationships. I first fell in love with books as a child because my parents would read to us and uh, teach me to read and they just passed that love on to me. So that's when I decided I have this love of books. I'd love to share it with young readers and become a children's librarian and, and be the one to read to kids and put on puppet shows and put on fun programs for them. So I met my husband in small group. We had our first son, Clark, and I would read to Clark, and that was fun to be able to share my love of reading. Things started to go wrong uh, I just felt really tired, and one day I felt sore in my side, and I started feeling around, and I noticed a lump. I decided to call the doctor to just find out if anything was suspicious about this lump. Two days later, I was scheduled for a biopsy. I remember I was just about ready to, to get my son Clark from the bus stop, and I got a... a a call from the doctor and the doctor said it is cancer so that really rocked my world and then uh, we found out that it was a very aggressive form of breast cancer to have this happen and realize you could possibly be leaving your two small kids and it's very tough to thinking about. I remember the first day after I shaved my head going into church, 
the next Sunday, I'm like, I don't want anybody to see me right now. I don't know what I would have done without the encouragement of my family and our church family, praying for us, bringing toys for the kids to cheer them up because they know that our world had been rocked. When you're fighting cancer, that kind of love and support makes a huge difference. People are, are caring for you. They're lifting you up in prayer. Where I am now in my journey with cancer is I went through 16 rounds of chemotherapy. My margins were clear, and now we're just in a monitoring phase just to make sure that it never comes back. I want to be the type of encourager that so many were to me, whether that means I tell this person how much I appreciate them, how much I love them, how much I care for them. It's really opened my eyes, and so I want to make sure that I tell others in my life how special they are to me. And I love that story because it reminds us of the importance in our lives of connecting intentionally with other people. It's a great example of how our Mooresville campus, our Mooresville family, rallied around uh, Natalie and her family. And, and you remember a few weeks ago, we just went through this series, Hope Where You Are, where we talked about what is it that God is looking for in our lives that positions us to be used greatly by him. And then we talked about it as a church. What, what is God looking for in our church that's going to allow us to be used greatly by him. We based it on the verse out of 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So what is God really looking for? And we saw that Jesus said this in, in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must now love one another. And then he said this, by, all, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. And, and so we talked about what does it mean to love one another, and we, we determined that there were 26 one another's in the New Testament, but you could basically categorize them into four different categories. You had to accept one another, forgive one another, you, you had to submit to one another, and you had to care for one another. What we just saw in that story about the Morrisville campus and her small group, how they rallied around, that's an example. That's what it means to care for one another. That's what it means to bear one another's burdens. And I just want you to understand, if you're going into the holidays and you feel so lonely and you feel so depressed and isolated, I want you to understand God did not create us to do life alone. But unfortunately, if you're here this weekend and if you're lonely, you have that sense of loneliness heading into the holidays, you know that it only gets magnified this time of the year. And I think sometimes for us in our relationships, part of the problem is we tend to forget the things that we should remember and we remember the things that we should forget. In fact, in the same way, we seem to remember the people that have hurt us throughout the year the people that have let us down, the people that weren't there when they needed us, but then we overlooked the people who were right there with us and they were beside us all the time. And I'm thinking this, if you're gonna have a heart of gratitude this Thanksgiving season, you're gonna have to shift your focus from the individuals that weren't there, that didn't stick with you, that let you down, and you're gonna have to maybe spend some time with God and say, God, remind me, remind me of who you placed in my life this year to get me through. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a coworker, maybe a boss, a neighbor. But whoever it is, I hope that sometime over the next few days, one of these nice crisp mornings, maybe sitting out on the, your, your screen porch in the afternoon, just get out a piece of paper, get a pen, and just reflect back through the year, and just write down the names of people that were there when you needed them, that came through with a special sense of encouragement, or they did something, they brought you some muffins at just the right time, or maybe you were sick and they were there to support you. And then as you look at that list, take the time and just say, God, thank you. Thank you. It's so much about changing perspective. I want you to hear Brian and Amy's story as they talk about how God took them on this journey to become generous givers. Watch the side screen. I grew up in a little town in North Carolina called Wanick Cove. My family lived from paycheck to paycheck, and I remember going to the mailbox and knowing what it looked like to have a balanced check. And I knew that money could cause a lot of stress because my parents argued about it. I always knew I didn't want that for my life. In college, I was a waitress, and in my sophomore year, I accepted Christ. And every night when I would count my tips, I knew that 
of that money, a certain amount had to go back to the church, and it, it felt good to do that. I lived in Southern California for a number of years, and you know, where I lived and the, my income, I always thought of it very difficult to even do just a little bit. For me, it was a slow process of giving generously. I'd always question it a little bit, and then several years ago, I started serving in stewardship uh, with the financial coaching team. I think for me, it's truly seeing what God has done in my life and the lives of others. But it is, it is difficult when life happens to stay f faithful and trust and continue down that path. Like right now, our air conditioner is broken and we're having to pay a ton of money next week to have that fixed. So it's much easier to give when things are going well and you know, money's consistent, nothing's breaking down. Just like even in life, when there's hard things and hard decisions, take the first step and then the second step. I think once you start giving that you don't want to go back. It's really not about the money. It's about your heart and like Amy said, I think it's just taking those baby steps. You know, we've heard in the stewardship ministry so many stories of how God is blessed just by taking that initial baby step. And maybe it is your finances this year that's robbing you from the ability to have a grateful heart. And I would just remind you of, of something that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 12. He was talking to the crowd and, and he says, I don't know why you guys worry about so much stuff. Have you not noticed the, the birds, how I take care of them, how I feed them? Have you not noticed the lilies and the wildflowers, how I dress them? Have you not noticed that? Don't you think I'll take care of you? And then there's kind of an indictment on the crowd there. He says, you of little faith. And then he says this, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. And understand, your father who created you and put you in this time in history, he knows that you need health insurance. He knows that you have to pay mortgage and rent. He knows that you have to prepare to send kids to college. He knows that you have to prepare for retirement one day. He knows all of those things, but this is what he says. Even though I know that, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is what my prayer is for you this year. My prayer is if, if your finances are, are robbing you of your joy and your inability to be grateful, that this will be the year that you will find financial peace and I'll tell you the best way to do that. You know, if you go to the doctor and you get a bad health report, unless I miss my guess, you're going to pray. You're going to want God's assistance, right? I think in the very same way, you honor God with your finances because you want to know that when things begin to unravel, that God has your back. But I hope this year, I hope maybe through this holiday, you can, you can, you can experience this incredible joy of giving generously and becoming a person of generosity, seeking first the kingdom of God and see what he will do to take care of all those things that he knows you need. Now, our last story comes from Pastor Chris at our Ship of Zion campus, and he talks about the importance of sharing willingly the story of how God has changed our life through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to Pastor Chris. I grew up with um, my mom. Father died um, in Brooklyn, New York. That's where I was born. I was four boys. Mom didn't want to raise all of us in Brooklyn, so she moved us here to South Raleigh. Um, I did drugs in high school, um, and I caused a lot of trouble with teachers, and my mom did the very best she could, but, you know, just growing up without a father, you do a lot of bumping your head. You bump your head a lot because you don't know how to be a man. You don't, you don't know how to be, you know, um, uh, uh, an adult. You don't know how. There's something in you, you know that it's good, but you just don't know how to get it out. After I had been through so many things in my life, um, I had had lung collapsed, um, first marriage failed, you know, just so many things had seen people killed. At the age of 26, you know, um, actually had got incarcerated. I just had to do some weekends and, you know, and, and um, after one weekend, um, I said I was going to church when I came out and all of my friends, everybody said, if you're going to church, the church is going to fall down around you. Um, but I went because I knew I needed a change. I went to a, a small church, and the pastor said to me um, one Sunday, why are you here? And I said to her, if, if this thing about Jesus and salvation is real, then I want it. That day, she wouldn't pray for me. She pushed me to the side, and then she called the men out of the pulpit, and she said, I want y'all to pray for that boy. That boy will be saved today. And they did. They came down and prayed. 
And I'm not as spiritual as some, but this one time I felt through the pores of my body, the Lord said to me, you've been looking for a father, and I've been here all the time. What really breaks my heart is, it, is to see people who, who don't know Jesus because that day he came into my life. He changed my life. So I know if I can reach people through serving and then I can get, get the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, their lives can be changed also. Well, from then, there was no turning back for me. I committed myself to the Lord. I wanted more. I wanted to learn about Jesus. I wanted to go to school. I didn't want anybody to live their lives not knowing who Jesus was. And that passion just came over me. You don't need to be ordained to share your faith. You don't even need to know the whole Bible to share your faith. All you need to know is that Jesus saved you. You need to know that you're nobody great. You're nobody special. And what he did in you, he can do for somebody else too. By the way, give you a little heads up, uh, in January, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, Pastor Chris is going to be here, and him and I are going to be addressing together what a church's position and stance in regards to racism in our society and culture, and we're going to preach that message together. I'm looking forward to that. But you know, if you're here this weekend, and you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've, you've, you've responded to the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, three days later rose from the dead to, val to validate and verify that he was indeed the Son of God, that he could reconcile you back into a relationship with the Father. If you are a Christian, you have a story. And your story is that God has taken you on as a project. He's taking you on a journey. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you, he is working in you. How would you like to take your cell phone as a project? I wouldn't. God's taking you on as a project. He's going to be faithful to complete it. And just think about this. Over the next few days through, through Thanksgiving and, and, and through the holidays, and you're going to be seeing old friends, and, and you're going to see neighbors maybe, and you're going to see relatives and friends. And many times you're going to sit down, and people are going to begin to talk about their life, and you're going to hear the struggles that, you, that they're going through. And you have this unique opportunity to step up and share your story of what your life was like before meeting Jesus and how he changed your life and the journey that he's taking you on and the hope that it's brought you and the hope that it could bring them also. This would be my prayer for you as we go in the next few days. Pray that God would give you the courage, the opportunity. Maybe you wanna start praying today because you know there's gonna be some relatives in your house whose lives could be changed by the message of Jesus Christ. God, give me the courage and give me the opportunity to share how you've changed my life through your son, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's really nothing like sharing your story that can put things back into a proper perspective and remind you that it's a journey that you're on. And it really isn't about the destination. It's the journey, and God is working in your life. In fact, when you think about this whole idea of a heart of gratitude, it's all about perspective. Every year around this time, I go back to Psalm 103, and I'm reminded of what David wrote, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Now, we don't know where David was when he wrote that. Some commentators believe that maybe David was coming off the big victory, a high, maybe a, maybe a military victory where he had expanded the borders of Israel like never before. But I don't think that's the case. I wonder if David wasn't coming off of one of his many heartbreaks in life. Maybe it was the guilt and the shame after the affair with Bathsheba. Maybe it was after the baby that was born died. Maybe it was after Tamar, his daughter, was raped by her stepbrother. Maybe it was after Absalom ran him off the throne. Or maybe it was after Absalom had to be killed so David could retake the throne. We don't know when it was, but there was something that moved in David's life. And maybe he walked out on his little patio area that overlooked the city of Jerusalem. And he said, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And this is why I think it was a tough time. He says, Forget none of his benefits. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you just have to stop and intentionally remind yourself of who God is and what he's done in your life? But notice what he says. He forgives all your sins. You know what that means? Have you ever sinned and you feel the, the guilt and the shame and the weight of what you did, your actions? Can you imagine going to God who's promised if you're faithful, if you'll confess your sins, 
I will be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What if you went to God one morning after you really blew it and God said, not this time. And you had to carry the weight of that the rest of your life. David said, that's not the case. He'll forgive all your sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, they're done. And then he says this, he heals all your diseases. And it's interesting, the Hebrew word, it's not physical diseases. It's, it's a word that would refer to diseases of the soul. Diseases like anger, depression, loneliness, discouragement. God can heal those diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Is there a more uh, accurate description of our life outside of Jesus Christ than just the pits, right? He lifted me out of the miry clay and he put my feet on the solid rock to stay. And I don't have to go back in the pit anymore. He crowns you with love and compassion. You know what that means? With all your baggage and issues, he invited you to sit at his table. That's pretty impressive. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Maybe you just need to be reminded this weekend that God's desire is to satisfy you with good things. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. This is what he said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love. These are the things he wants to satisfy you with. Love, joy, peace. Anybody would love to experience peace this holiday season? Patience. You're going to need that during the holiday season. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God longs to fill your life with those qualities, those attributes, those good things. This is what I want us to do. I want you just to bow your head, just close your eyes. And, and I'm going to lead you through these things. And I want you to just take a few seconds quietly in your heart. You just talk to God the way you would talk to me, to anyone else. And I want you to just thank God for what he's provided in your life that maybe you've overlooked. And I believe it's going to put your life back into perspective. First of all, Thank him for forgiving your sins. And if you've ne you're here and you've, you've never asked God to forgive your sins because of what Jesus Christ, he will take care of it instantaneously and you will be restored back into a relationship with him. Thank him for healing all your diseases. Anger, resentment, loneliness, depression. Thank him for redeeming your life from the pit. Thank him for his love and compassion, the fact that he, he invited you to be a son, a daughter, and to sit at his table. And thank him for his desire to satisfy you with good things. He has a hope. He has plans for a future. And then why don't you thank him for the cross on which Jesus shed his precious blood to make it all possible. See, when you think through it that way, it kind of puts it back in perspective, doesn't it? Father, you're an awesome God. And I know for many of us, it's been a tough year. Father, one of the toughest years I've ever been through in my life. And I know sometimes that we get such an intense case of ingrown eyeballs. All we can see is our hurt and our pain, our confusion. But Father, if we can get our eyes off of ourselves and focus them back on you, we find so much to be thankful for. Just like this song that we're getting ready to sing, 10,000 reasons we can praise your name. I pray if we came in here dragging a little bit this weekend, Father, we'll walk out with a better perspective, a proper perspective of the benefits of being in a relationship with you made possible through your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. We love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing this song before we leave? And don't try to get out to beat the traffic. We got snipers on the roof. They're just going to shoot your tires. It's not a big deal. Let's sing this together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. See like Worship your holy name. 
This guy who sang Good, Good Father earlier is supposed to become a good, good father today. Today's the day, isn't it? So, you're not very good, but, but thank you guys for being here. I hope it's been an encouraging time. I hope that you'll go into the holidays, and regardless of what's going on, you can peel back the layers, and you can find all the things, the 10,000 reasons that you can be grateful. God bless you. If you're here visiting for the first time, if you go to the left in the atrium, there's a next step calendar. They'll give you a free car or something. I don't know. 
Next week we start a new series. God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You're dismissed.